Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tip Balls Podcast. I am your host, Sam Randazzo, and I am joined by one and a half co-hosts. <laughs> to my right, it is the one, the only, Uncle Sam. Hello. Good afternoon. Well, how's your week been so far? Why? What do you mean? Great. I'm living the dream. What are you talking about? What? Living the dream. What, what does that mean? Nothing. Good afternoon. And to my left, <laughs> it is none other than our very own Mr. Zolo, Mike Palazzolo. God bless. Uh, behind the computer, as always, sucking on his own candy cane, it's Bruce, the tugboat. Venditti. Hello. You've used that one before. Have I? You have. Have Usually I? Show everybody your new haircut. No. Show everyone your new no. haircut. You have that camera for a reason. Yeah, and the camera. Bruce shitty. got a nice. I'll haircut show my today. haircut when I when I get a better camera. I, I, the people want to see you. The people don't care. Just do a quick one. Hello. Come on. Here we go. Here we go. There. You happy? I look like fucking Shane Gillis. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, you look like fucking. Uh, God, what was that one guy? Shane Gillis. Is he is he the one that's getting canceled right now? Who's getting canceled right now? You look like Nosferatu Shane. in that. I don't know. One of the comedians is getting canceled right now. Oh. Who? A comedian's being canceled? Yeah, let me look real quick. Um I'm looking right now. Matt Reif. I'm, Matt oh. Reif is getting canceled because of his Netflix special. Which was is- it bad? I guess it. What it, group did he go for? You know, it was misogynistic, from what I understand. Ah, okay. And he's women, eh? and when people are complaining to him on Twitter, he's tweeting an Amazon link to like the <laughs> the, the the helmet that slow people have to wear. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> wow. He fuck. He committed. At he's least. doubling down. Yeah, he committed. He committed. Uh, welcome to a Wednesday show uh, where we have the most fun out of the whole week. Uh, unfortunately, as you may have seen. Uncle Sam's not with us. <laughs> so we put somebody who looks just like him in his place. Um, but, uh, yeah, Zolo, how's the week going so far? It's actually not bad. It's a little chilly. Mm-hmm. But it hasn't it been chilly. a bad week, and we're working on it. Can you airdrop me um, the dong one more time, please? Uh, yeah. So if you haven't if you haven't been on Twitter today, uh, Chandler Jones – former defensive end for the New England Patriots and Las Vegas Raiders, uh, who has been partaking in some very questionable uh, Instagram lives as of late, decided he was going to post a – he was going to go live on Instagram and uh, pick some cocaine boogers out of his nose, uh, talk about how much dope he smoked and chocolate he ate, and then run around with his dick out in the bathroom of his house in Arizona – talking about how the police are trying to raid his mansion. Uh, when he turned the camera around and uh, showed his dick to everybody on Instagram Live um, via the mirror. Uh, he, his Instagram has since been banned, so he's gone. But uh, if you want to see the video, uh, you can either text me. I did screenshot just the dong pic as well, if you want to just see the dong pic. We have or go look it dong. Up on, yeah. If you want just <laughs> dong, just dong, we have that. And I'm not going to lie, for a man, a man with Chandler Jones stature, you would expect a better, I expected a better dong. I'm not going to lie. I expected more dong out of Chandler Jones. Um, outside of Chandler Jones dong, any pits peaks from the week so far, boys? 
What's going on? Bruce, did you start a new job? I did. Yep. Kind of. You can consider it new. Yeah. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. <laughs> yeah. The uh. who, circa 1969. Oh. Um. So we got a lot to get into today. Uh, outside of Chandler Jones' penis, uh, we are going to break down Monday night's game, give a little recap on that. Uh, we're going to follow it up with previewing the Thursday night game. Uh, you're going to get some college football talk today. Uh, too bad Sal's not here for it, but uh, we need to preview championship weekend, obviously, and a little bit of Lions chat to end the day. But before we move forward, and I want to get to all that, the chat is requesting that we rate the dong. Rate the dong? On what scale would you like us okay. to rate the dong? So, yeah, because this is, I feel like dong rating is extremely subjective coming from somebody who's, uh, you know, who's very open about judging other people's penises. Um, I would say for, if you're taking, are we taking the specimen into account or is it just dong? Let's, let me, I want to preface by saying just I would assume dong. that both of the Jones brothers have gargantuan Pringles Ch can like Chandler me. Jones and John Jones. Like, those are pretty manly men. Yeah. So on paper, on paper, I'm expecting dongs. Baby legs. So Anthony in the chat saying just 1 to 10 on a 1 to 10 scale. Well, okay, I'm going to take the canvas that the, the dong is on into account too. And I'm going to say for, for a man of his stature a, a dong a dong on that canvas should be a solid 8 he's he's rolling with like a 4.5 yeah i was saying a, fi a 5 would would have been the number i used yeah four and a half that's five. i expected scale, more from that he's family a four and a half yes i expected i expected absolute pythons but we just didn't. when you got super bowl rings and your brother's a ufc heavyweight champion of the world i want I want like the World Trade Center. I want needs, the twin towers. It between needs those to look like dongs. this mic stand. Yeah, yeah. It needs to look like a, a sure microphone. Exactly. Just wasn't wasn't up to par. Um, I'm ready to move forward. Okay, that's enough. Enough dong. We've talk. we've officially spent the first uh, how long? We had five. Or, uh, I think we came out at 55. So about eight minutes. Eight we're minutes. Primarily talked Jones about with dong. dongs. Oh, I just for some reason just got a call from uh, Uncle Sam. So that's interesting. Uh, Why? He, I'm sure he what knows you mean you're alive. I didn't know you were alive. Should we call him? Yeah. Is that risky? Call him. Hold on. We're going to phone him in. Yeah. Uh, will you give a hello for me on the air? Sure. Okay, go ahead. Good evening. Okay. All right. Well, we're live right now, so I'm going to have to get back with you if you need to talk about something. Okay. Okay. All right. God bless, boys. God bless. God bless. Hey, happy birthday. Oh, it's my, it's my uh, wife's birthday. I know. Happy I know. birthday. I'll tell her. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. So, Sal checking in today. Uh, what, do you, what do you call your aunt? Aunt Laura. You call her Aunt Laura? Yeah. Yep. Wow, been, been an electric start to the Wednesday show so far. Yeah. Bruce looks like Nosferatu. Chandler Jones, Dick. We get a phone in from Uncle Sam. Oh, anyways, should we do news? Yeah. All right, let's do some news.
Uh, so to start off the news of the day, we need to dig into the biggest piece, which more than anything we have ever talked about news-wise on this show, I wish the beard was here. The Jets have officially activated Aaron Rodgers' 21-day practice window. Just what was it? 79 days post Achilles tear. Uh, and 9-11. He practiced today. Aaron Rodgers was a full participant in practice today. So, less than 80 days after his Achilles injury, he has been, the doctors cleared him for, quote-unquote, functional football activity. Don't know what that means, but he was playing football today. That's insane to me. It's insane. It. Ten years ago, an Achilles tear was a career ender. Uh, two years ago, an Achilles tear was a season ender and most likely taking you into the following season. And now here we go, literally less than three months removed. He's yeah, ready to go. You know what? And all those talking heads on TV can eat shit because all they said was, it's impossible that he's coming back. Well, hold on. Impossible. So with Cam Akers, I think that's the first instance of... Where it was he, quick. Yeah, he was five months. Which Achilles used to be death sentences. Correct. Used to, not yeah. only were like ACLs used to be death sentences, then they figured it out, and then Adrian Peterson came back and ran for 2,000 yards, almost broke the rushing record, a year removed from a torn ACL. And then Tommy John used to be a death sentence. You had Justin Verlander coming back and winning the Cy Young. So I think Achilles is the new procedure that they figured out, and it's that doctor in L.A., Dr. Neil Al Alatrash or whatever his name. I don't, I don't know his name. But they did a really good graphic on that Friday night game last, or the Friday yeah, afternoon game. Yeah, I saw that. I wish we can get a hold of that. But they did a graphic explaining what they did with the Achilles and how it takes pressure off of the the fibia, I think. Correct. It takes pressure off of the, the fibia to make the healing process a lot faster. And when you're able to do that, then then the surgery will take better. The, the Achilles repair will take better and it allows you if you rehab properly it allows you to strengthen it easily and, and it minimizes the scar tissue and there's a whole bunch of stuff i'm not a doctor i don't know angie where are you there's a whole bunch of stuff that makes a lot of sense and here we are now i mean credit to aaron Rodgers. it's too little too late and i still think that he's one ankle twist away on that turf from something bad happening but yeah especially because everybody has been Everybody has been throwing a fit as of late about the MetLife turf, so probably not the best place for him to have to play his last few games in, uh, of the year. And the other thing that you have to take into account is his age. That's what Dan literally just said in the chat. He's 40 years old. Oh, so I mean. And, and agreed. And agreed. It's like I, I hate LeBron James. I think he's one of the most overrated and annoying athletes insane. of all time. But what LeBron James has done at his age is he's been, at a minimum, I cannot knock him for being one of the – he's managed to stay healthy in this era where guys are dropping out. LeBron didn't start quitting on games to the last three years. So credit to Aaron Rodgers as well as LeBron James for rehabbing this quick. And coming out, and I mean, I I hope, j just selfishly, I hope to see him play. I hope he does bad, but I hope to see Aaron Rodgers play because I think that'd be pretty neat to come back from this. And I do think we're going to get him next year. I think that's not even up for debate. I think we will too now, 100%. I, I was real quick to say that his career was over then, but when you put in the kind of work that he must have to get back from that injury that quick, uh, especially at 40 years old, like the age is a huge factor here. One, it takes your body longer to recover. Two, you're just over that bullshit. So like... For him to come back and do what he did, 
very impressive, and I think he is coming back next year. Uh, the Bengals have announced that Joe Burrow underwent surgery on his wrist. The organization said that the procedure went as planned. He is expected to make a complete recovery, and he will return to Cincinnati later in the week to begin the, to be with the team and begin the rehab process. So things looking up for another quarterback. Burrow, obviously done for the year, but is on the right track to get back. Um, some other quarterback news, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. Uh, the Vikings have said that they are evaluating their quarterback uh, situation during this bye week. Uh, Josh Dobbs, who threw four interceptions uh, on Monday night, which we'll talk about in a moment, um, is no longer the guaranteed starter in Minnesota. Kevin O'Connell said that they're going to take a look and evaluate every option that they have. Uh, I don't know what their other options really are. At this point, it's the Zach Wilson effect. Who else are you going to start? Yeah. You're going to you're in the playoff picture. You're going to waste it by not starting Josh Dobbs because I think that's a very dumb idea. You get rid of one pile of shit just to replace it with another pile of shit. Yeah. Uh, so as we talked about on Monday, the Colts caught Shaq Leonard. Uh, he visited the Dallas Cowboys yesterday and the Philadelphia Eagles today. Heard he's making a decision this weekend. Would we? I know we 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 kind of missed this, but Uncle Sam especially obviously isn't a fan of the linebacking core here. Would you, if you were the Lions, bring in Shaq Leonard for a workout? Yeah, but they won't. And on top of that, it seems like Shaq Leonard is just doing the cop out thing that all of these guys seem to do and go to contenders. Um. I think it's dumb for Shaq Leonard, personally. I'd rather go somewhere where I could play and make an impact and still get paid, and I do think that's here. Um, but I, I, there's a reason he hasn't come here. There's a reason why that team, the Detroit Lions, isn't on his list, but I totally would have made a run at Shaq Leonard, he doesn't as I would make a run at Marcus chair. Peters. Uh, I would, too. That's another one. He doesn't. We haven't heard any news chair. on him since he left. He cleared waivers. Cleared waivers. That's it. Uh, Panthers owner David Tepper said that when he's looking for a new head coach is somebody that will be there for 30 or 40 years and someone that he'd like to have give the eulogy at his funeral. Okay, so that narrows it down to Bill Belichick. <laughs> the mean, only guy that's ever been a long t a coach tenured for that long or any Steelers coach in history. Do you think that that's even a possibility for Bill if the Patriots let him go? So it's funny you say that. Cam Newton's on a podcast and came out today and said said exactly that, that Tepper's going to try to make a play for Bill Belichick. I don't see any shot in hell that Belichick's taking that job over the Charger job or the Commander's job, maybe the Raiders job. I don't, I don't know, but I don't see any shot in hell that Belichick would ever take that dumpster fire of a situation in Carolina. You're getting a quarterback. I know people are down on Bryce Young, really down on him. You're getting a quarterback. If you re-sign Burns and Brown and J.C. Horn, you're getting some pieces on defense, but they, they have work to do, and I don't think Bill Belichick is going to be the one to put in that work. The only reason why I think it could be a possibility is because when Brady left New England, Tampa Bay was like a long shot, mm -hmm. right? Nobody thought that they'd ever see Brady in a Bucks uniform. Hey, at the end of the day, crazier shit has happened. But there were at least elements of Tampa that made sense. 100%. They had receivers. They had, receivers, they had a defense, defense. They had a coach that he could walk yes, all over. Correct. You know, the, uh, the pieces were there. Warm weather. Mm -hmm. 
Vikings activated wide receiver Justin Jefferson from injured reserve. He was present at practice today. So uh, as the Vikings begin their bye week, it looks like Justin Jefferson is back in the mix coming out of the bye. Huge news for Minnesota. They got to get this quarterback thing right. Again, we're going to cover that game here in a minute, but they've got to make sure they have that situation figured out for when Justin Jefferson comes back. Uh, the Patriots made a quarterback move today. They re-signed quarterback Will Greer after cutting him last week. So, another... What are the chances we see Will Greer at this point? I I heard that Mac Jones was behind both Malik Cunningham and Bailey Zappi today in snaps. He was the third guy, and he wasn't even doing much at all. I wouldn't be shocked if they just rotate through all three of those guys and see what all three of them have to offer before the end of the year, just because that's what they do. Uh, moving on, uh, there was some retirement news today. Three-time Pro Bowl wide receiver and former second-best return guy ever, Deshaun Jackson, uh, retired as a member of the Eagles, or he will retire as a member of the Eagles on Friday uh, and be recognized as the team's honorary captain at Sunday's game against the San Francisco 49ers. So shout-out to a great career, one of Uncle Sam's favorite of all time, Deshaun Jackson. Other than that, the biggest piece of uh, news outside of Aaron Rodgers was the Jonathan Taylor news that kind of came out of left field uh, yesterday. He had surgery on his thumb. Uh, They expect him to miss four weeks at least. He did hit IR, uh, and that's massive news for a guy who's been tearing it up as of late. Uh, Instantly made Zach Moss fantasy relevant again. Um And the Colts, a team that are fighting for a playoff spot, that's a huge loss for them right now. Yeah, but his replacement has already put in the work and done the damage this year. Zach Moss was like RB5 when Jonathan Taylor came back. Right, he was way down. So the potential's there, and all this makes me think of is credit to the Colts. They lost their starting rookie quarterback. They lost Jonathan Taylor on two separate occasions, and they're still right there. They're in the playoffs right now. Yeah, definitely. And credit to Shane Steichen. Uh, Damn, first-year head coach. That's how he's got his boys playing. They got rid of Shaq Leonard. Yeah, Um, that's another, I mean, huge loss for them. Yeah, it's just crazy, but good for them. So uh, the Browns came out today and said that with Dorian Thompson-Robbins still in the concussion protocol and doubtful for this weekend's game, Joe Flacco is officially taking snaps as Cleveland's QB1 in practice, and they are looking at him to start Sunday versus the Rams. The return of Joe Flacco. I never thought we would see this day, but here we are. On top of that, I heard that there potentially is structural damage for Miles Garrett. Um, that's any plans to play and play through as well. But, uh, that's, I mean, everything's turning up bad all of a sudden, everything's turning up Brown for the Browns as it usually does. Uh, yeah. Gardner Minshew, baby. Gardner Minshew going to be a big play this weekend. Mm -hmm. Uh, also the Seahawks running back, Kenneth Walker, doubtful for tomorrow night's game against Dallas. With his lingering oblique injury, 
Uh, this is, again, Seattle's going through a gauntlet right now. you got to get him out there. Because these games, without being able to effectively run the football against the teams that they're going up against the next few weeks, it's bad. And it's going to look – Geno Smith against that Cowboys front without Kenneth Walker, it's going to be bad. It's a recipe for disaster. You don't want the game to completely – the Seahawks game isn't for them, unless it's on the ground with Geno Smith. You, you don't want Geno Smith to be in control of that game. And especially the Cowboys, especially the way the Cowboys sec- secondary is playing right now with with Bland and Gilmore. I mean, it's on fire. So you don't want over, you know, 35. 30, we'll call it we'll call it 30 pass attempts for Geno Smith. That's a recipe for them to lose tomorrow, the Seahawks. So uh, and some Cardinals news, uh, wide receiver Marquise Brown, tight end Trey McBride. Both did not practice today with groin and heel injuries respectively so that the cardinals a little bit of spark that they've had those are two of the biggest reasons why they've had it and uh going up against pittsburgh's defense this week they need everybody they can get so hopefully they can get healthy and get out there on sunday should we talk about monday night football the incredible bout of offense we saw out of the nfc north divisional game Dog shit to game. So the Chicago Bears headed to Minnesota to play the Vikings on Monday Night Football. And this game was pretty fucking awful. Chicago makes it out barely with a W on a Cairo Santos field goal late. Chicago 12-10, to 10, the winners in this one. Chicago still fourth in the NFC North. Minnesota still second. At 500 now, though, the storyline from this game, Joshua Dobbs, Jesus H. Dobbs, finally shit the bed in a massive fashion, four interceptions in this game. Um, Nothing clicked, really, for Minnesota's offense. Uh, TJ Hawkinson had the lone touchdown reception, uh, five for 50 through the air for him. Uh, Mattinson, 10 for 52 on the ground. And Dobbs, obviously, besides the four picks, had the touchdown pass on 22 of 32 passing. Is this it? I talked about this a little bit on Friday, or on Monday, sorry, that at some point I thought the Dobbs train had to come screeching to a halt. It was Mike White-esque. Are we there now? I think it's a little too soon to say we're there. And something that hasn't been done, especially over the last two weeks, is the Bears' defense getting credit. They're getting their most out of Montez Sweat right now. They didn't trade Jalen Johnson, which is turning out to be a good decision. And their defense looks decent. It looks very serviceable. Oh, no, their defense, honest to God, their defense looks kind of good. Yeah. Like, it looks better than serviceable right now. So credit to them. That being said, I think, I think I'm think i giving Josh Dobbs at least a game or two more, mainly because I don't know what you have behind him that's going to get the job done. Nah, there's nothing. There. He got pulled from his game for a reason, and Josh Dobbs was put in for a reason. Or no, it was injury, right? Didn't he get railed? Uh, yeah, I'm looking. I can't remember his name right now. Well, Jaron Hall's now dropped a third on the depth chart. Jaron Hall was who got pulled. Who got injured. Uh, Nick Mullins 
is now number two on the depth. You chart. really want to take Nick Mullins and Jaron Hall over Josh Dobbs? Be my guess. I think the bigger picture is that this is just a Vikings problem. I think the Vikings are the actual issue, and they're just coming back down to earth because that's two in a row. This was still a bad team, regardless. I know they turned the ball over four times. You had a shot to win this. You choked at the end of the game on that last drive, and then you let Justin Fields, conversely, with less than two minutes to go drive 40 yards to get in a field goal range. So I think that's the bigger story, in my opinion. And uh, if you're a Packers fan or, wink, wink, a Lions fan, this couldn't have gone any better for oh, you. It was the best best possible outcome. Because the Bears' field still didn't look amazing or great. The Bears won and barely, and the Vikings lost and looked bad. So if you're the Packers making a push for that last spot, looks good for you. And if you're the Lions hoping that the Vikings don't make a push in the division, even though you still have to play them twice, looks good for you as well. Well, Those yeah. The big winners. And I mean, especially because uh... – if if Green Bay wins this week, well, Minnesota's on the bye. They're tied for second place. That's that's in a division that we thought was going to be Minnesota on Detroit's tail, running away from both the other teams. In the summer, I had the close. Packers. In the summer, I had the Packers. You did. I did. Uh, the thing is, for Minnesota, it doesn't get much easier. I mean, they, they uh, coming out of the bye week, they play Las Vegas at Las Vegas, and if. <laughs> What's the highlight of the Raiders team right now is that defensive front. Max Crosby could be giving Josh Dobbs absolute fits throughout the whole game. And they're at Cincinnati, who, I mean, yeah, they're not with Joe Burrow, but the defense for Cincinnati is still intact. And they played Detroit two more times to end before the year is over. So eight, that, that little glimmer of wild card hope for Minnesota is starting to look worse and worse by the day when you think about it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as Chicago goes, will Justin Fields be there next year as their starting quarterback? Right now, I'd say yes. He's got a really good performance against Detroit and a lackluster performance against Minnesota, but a win. So I still think he's balls deep in that trial right now. Um, if I'm running the team, I'm taking a run at Drake May or Caleb Williams, whoever goes number one overall. I'm taking a run at one of those guys still. But, yeah, I mean, I could totally see the case for Fields. It makes sense. Right? Am I off there? Well, I mean, the ability to run the ball is, is second to literally none. You know what I'm saying? And, I mean, as the league continues to evolve, that's more and more important every year. I mean, Justin Fields, 12 for 59 on the ground. Unfortunately, he did fumble the ball two times in two pretty key situations. Uh, and then he was 27 for 37 through the air for 217 yards. I mean, yeah, the numbers are there. It's just the team is just not good. That's therein lies the problem, right? They were they can't generate. They couldn't generate any points. It was a field goal every time. Obviously, with the 12 points, couldn't generate anything in the red zone. And luckily, their defense played a good game because Fields was very close to fumbling this game away. No and pun there's, intended. There's a lot of Chicago fans saying that this should be it for Justin Fields. It's all over Twitter. He was trending on Twitter. He won this game. It was trending on Twitter afterwards for a bunch of angry Chicago fans calling for his head. DJ Moore had a very nice game, 11 for 114. Uh, outside of that, Roshan Johnson and Khalil Herbert both didn't make much of an impact, but they got the win. That's becoming a story is their run game, which was supposed to be when they drafted Roshan Johnson – 
people are like, oh, you, you put Johnson together with Herbert. That should be a deal. Meanwhile, from a fantasy standpoint, Elizabeth just chimed in perfect timing. From a fantasy standpoint, it's been down to Foreman the entire year. 100%. So the fact that their run game hasn't Don't gotten going. Right now, which is a huge part of it. The fact that their run game hasn't gotten going with, you know, that's that's a big benefit to the fields. You know, that's how you effectively run play action. When they got to respect him as a runner, and you can run the option, and you got to respect the running back as a runner. And other than DJ Moore and then occasionally Cole Komet in the red zone, they don't have much from a receiving core standpoint. Yeah, he needs Marvin Harrison is what they need. There's a lot of teams that need Caleb Williams. They need a quarterback. There's a lot of teams that need Marvin Harrison too, and this is one of them. A hundred percent. I mean, if you got a stud receiver, you don't know what Justin Fields looks like with an actual receiver outside of D- The problem is DJ Moore is the only threat they really have in passing. So it's double covering him. It's taking trying to take him out of it. If you bring in a second receiver and open this offense up a little bit, you might see a different Justin Fields. But one name you did say that I know we need to spend some time on today because some news came out about him was Caleb Williams. So if we think we're good here, I'd love to move on to that because we've literally been talking – for a year, that the number one pick in the NFL draft was the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. And today he came out and said that he is still undecided on whether or not he will enter the NFL draft this year. And I think that just took everyone by surprise because you're dealing with a guy who a lot of people throughout the most of the college football season thought was a unanimous number one overall pick. He might not be that unanimous number one overall pick now, but to have a guy with this much draft stock stay in college, I was kind of blown away by that. Is it a money thing? Is it a, he wants to come back because he's got something to prove thing. What do you think? So a couple things. Number one, the uh, Uncle Sam chiming into the chat real quick. Wait, no fucking way. Good evening. Holy oh shit. God. <laughs> Having a moment of silence for the fallen real quick. Hello. We need so, to screenshot that. With Caleb Williams, it's a couple things. First things first, I think he's posturing. I think this is all a ploy to create a conversation and make sure that he ends up in the right scenario. Because we've seen this year with Bryce Young what happens if you end up in a poor scenario. And I think that that's imperative for Caleb Williams that he goes to, number one, a city he wants to be in, number two, a a team with a future, and number three, he's going to want stable ownership at this point. That's just my two cents, number one. Number two, I think he legitimately can make what he's making, what he would make as a rookie. I think he can make that with NIL being in L.A. at USC. I think he could totally get that. And he could come in next year and – it should be a little more down year for Ohio State. It'll certainly be more of a down year for Michigan. Oregon's losing Bo Nix. Washington's losing Michael Penix. I don't know who stands out in the Big Ten at that point. So USC could come in in their first year in the Big Ten, make a run into that 12-team playoff, which protects even them because they choke all the time, and he can make a run at winning. And one of the things he cited, I think today was all bullshit, everything he said, and I think it's just all, I think he's going to end up being in the draft and being in the number one overall pick and deciding where he wants to go because Chicago is going to trade that pick to someone. But one of the things he did mention is, like, I'm 7-5 and five right now, and I've never lost this much. I've never not been competing for championships, and I want to do that. And I think USC would have a shot at that next year if he did stay. 
So I think there's a lot of elements to it. Ultimately, gun to my head right now, he's going to be the number one overall pick. He's going to go somewhere. It might even be Chicago, but he's going to end up being pick one, and he's going to end up going to the pros. It's just all talk right now to try and stir up a, stir up the right situation for him because if I were him, I wouldn't want a Panther situation, and there's some teams that I wouldn't want to play for if I'm Caleb Williams. Well, so that's the million-dollar question. Obviously, Chicago has the first overall pick, Arizona at two. Is there a situation where you think Chicago takes Marvin Harrison? Yes, I do. I and, do think there's a scenario where give, they take Marvin. Give Harrison. Justin Fields an actual run at this. But I didn't mean to scream in the mic there. I'm sorry if I just blew anyone's ears out. I heard an echo afterwards. That being said, receivers are a dime a dozen. Name name give me off the top of your head, give me the five best receivers in the league. Just name five. Oh. The five best receivers in the league. Uh, AJ Brown. Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, AJ Brown, Tyreek Hill. Okay, so and Mike uh, Evans was a top ten pick, if I remember correctly, to Tampa. Might have been number twelve. Um, I don't AJ Brown wasn't a first rounder, was he? If he was, he was at the end of the first round. Let's see. Could you I bet you could throw Sutton in there? Uh AJ Brown was um, uh, 51st overall pick. Yeah, so A.J. Brown wasn't. I don't think Keenan Allen was a first-round pick, if I remember correctly. Uh, Stephon Diggs obviously was not a first-round pick. Amon uh, Ra St. Brown is not a first-round pick. Tyreek Hill was drafted 165th. I knew he wasn't a first-round pick. Jamar Chase, uh, Leon just made a good point. I do think when he's good, he's one of the best receivers in the league. Obviously, he was pick five. He's one of the few that bucks that rule. My point being is you can make a wide receiver. DJ Moore, their top option right now, was number two overall. So you can make a wide receiver. If I'm Chicago, I think what's in my best interest, what's in the best interest of the franchise, is you take the Lions approach and you try to compile as many picks as possible, and you could trade pick one for a hefty haul of picks and still get Keon Coleman later on in the first round, who I think is going to have every bit as good of a career as Marvin Harrison's going to have in the pros, personally. So I think I'd wait off on, if I'm Chicago and I'm, and I'm trading the pick. And then you still have pick four from your own team or pick five, whatever it is. It's going to be a top ten pick. Chicago's pick is, is likely going to be a top ten pick at the moment. So you still have that pick to work with. I just think Marvin Harrison's going to have a better shot suited at other places. And Chicago has so many other holes they need to fill. Why would you waste that on a wide receiver when you can get a good wide receiver later on in the draft? Um. One guy that I know Uncle Sam liked was Drake May. Yeah. What is the what do you think right now? Trent Irwin. If New England's picking at three, do you think that's a Drake May destination? I mean, I think whoever is the second team to take a quarterback is gonna take Drake May. Whoever that is. He's been the clear cut number two since last summer. He's been the clear-cut number two this entire season. He's never let go of that, even though we have a guy in this show that always harps on Michael Penix. I love Michael Penix, and he's fun to watch. But as a pro-style passer, he doesn't hold any cards over Caleb Williams and Drake May. And I think teams see what Drake May can do in his pocket poise and the way he runs an offense, and they see that translating in the pros. So I think whoever it is, if it is the Patriots— yeah, I think they're very much going to be invested in Drake May. So then, I mean, in between there, essentially, you have New England picking at three, Chicago at one. If Chicago takes a Caleb Williams, New England takes 
Drake May. If Marvin Harrison fell into your lap at number two in your Arizona, are you taking him and bringing in that kind of weapon for Kyler Murray? I think the Cardinals are going to take a look at Marvin Harrison at two. I think they're going to try and trade up to, to one to get Marvin Harrison if they can. I think they would totally try and do that. And I think that's a perfect fit for Kyler Murray. He's never had he's had the downfield DeAndre Hopkins, but he's never had the I can catch anywhere in the middle of the field receiver in Marvin Harrison and get yards after contact. And I think Marvin Harrison makes a ton of sense to a lot of teams, the Cardinals being one of them, for sure. Who's somebody in this draft that we might not have heard about yet that you think goes somewhere and makes an instant impact? I said his name earlier, but someone that I think hasn't really been talked about is Keon Coleman. I think Keon Coleman is going to make whatever team drafts him in the first round. If he's a first-rounder, I think he is. I think Keon Coleman's going to make that team very, very happy. Very, very happy. Very happy. And there's also guys in the trenches that we haven't talked about enough. Uh, there's two really good top five tackles in Olufashanu from Penn State and Joe Alt from Notre Dame. And there are a lot of teams that we've seen this year that need offensive line help. The Giants, the Titans, you can make the case the Bears need a little offensive line help. And I think both of those guys are going to they're gonna end up in the top five. I think if the Titans land one of those two guys, it's going to make perfect sense for them, and it's going to be really good for Will Levis. So in the, I, I just pulled up a, a CBS mock draft here. And uh, Fashat Olu Fashanu. Olu Fashanu. They got him going five to Washington. That's a great fit. And then the other one you said was Joe, Joe Alt. Alt. They got him going to the Jets at eight. What other team needs offensive line help more nobody. than the Jets? Absolutely nobody. Go through the top ten on that and that mock. So, top ten on here is uh, Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison, Drake May. Uh, oh, God, this one's going to be great. Chicago with their second pick, taking Liatu Latu. Yeah, so so Liatu Latu is the from UCLA, right? The the defensive end. Correct. He leads college football in hurries in quarterback hurries. So similar, like you put him on a team that already is getting pressure from somewhere else. If you put him in, he closes the deal, and I think he can make a lot of sense as the number one pass rusher. It's it's going to be him or Chop Robinson from Penn State. So I just noticed that on there. What a great name, by the way, Chop Robinson. Yeah, what's his real name? Uh, that's a good question, and I'm going to figure that out now. But they currently have him uh, going to Tampa Bay. Is he the number one pass rusher? Oh, no, Laatu Latu would be. Laatu Latu is yeah. the number one. He's actually third on this list at the position. Mm -hmm. uh, they have him going seventh to Tampa Bay. Prior to that... Well, he's going second off the board, but they have him position ranked at third. And then the second best in their eyes is uh, Jared Verse from Florida State. They have him going to Arizona. Way deep. 17th. Um, but to round out the top 10, uh, after, uh, after Latu Latu is uh, – Olu, who he said. Olu uh, Fashanu. Jaden Daniels to the New York Giants at yeah, six. Yeah, I mean, Jaden Daniels is a week away from winning a Heisman, so he'll make some teams happy. Chop Robinson, seven. Joe Alt, eight. Jerzon Newton going ninth okay, to the so Chargers. I saw a clip from Illinois, right? The defensive tackle from Illinois. Mm -hmm. I saw a clip of him the other day chasing defenders down. 
and his athleticism, Illinois is 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 starting to churn out some really athletic motherfuckers defensively. It happened last year with Witherspoon. The Lions got one in Kirby Joseph, and he's on that next list of athletic defenders coming out of Illinois. That guy is going to make some teams really happy, like the Lions would be someone, because that's an athletic defensive tackle you could throw in that can bring in interior pressure and can be versatile when you need him to. You could throw him on the outside if you need him to. This, listen— from a Lions standpoint, your position of need is pass rusher. It's number one. Whether it comes from the outside of the defensive line or the interior of the defensive line, there's going to be three guys at each of those positions that even if you somehow win the Super Bowl and you're picking 32, you'll get one of those guys in the back half of the first round. Uh, Layatu Latu, Chop Robinson, and then JT Tuamolau from Ohio State, all excellent pass rushers that could be there for the Lions. And then there's good interior guys as well. And this is this is a good draft. If you need a defender, this is going to be a good draft, especially with this major run that's going to happen with offensive players. There's going to be three or four quarterbacks that go. There's going to be three or four receivers that go. Yeah, so on this list, they have the Lions picking at 27 and taking Leonard Taylor the third defensive lineman out of Miami. Yeah, that's he's a hell of a player as well. They have him listed as the number one overall defensive lineman and the 10th Best prospect in this draft. Where's Jared Verse from Florida State on that list? Jared Verse uh, is going 17th to Arizona in a trade from Houston. He's second at the position and 12th as far as all prospects. Yeah, I mean, the Lions are going to get an impact, an impactful pass rusher if they play their cards right in this draft. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. I just want the Lions to take Kool-Aid McKinstry. They could use a corner, and Alabama churns out really good corners. Kool-Aid played with Brian Branch in the same backfield. Kool-Aid's been, I don't think he's been a day one starter, but he started last year and he's starting this year, and he's one of the best corners in college football. He's one of the best cor- cover corners. And he, Kool-Aid fits that prototypical pro-style corner where they're they're lanky, they got arms, and they got speed, and you could run with anyone. And I think that's what the Lions need, which they didn't have in Okuda. I think they would get that in Kool-Aid McKinstry. And who wouldn't want a guy named Kool-Aid on their team? Amen. Uh, how do you feel about this one? Uh, with the 20th pick, they have Bo Nix going to Minnesota. Be a hell of a fit. Love Bo Nix. He's an old man. I think he's married. Um, <laughs> he might even have a kid. Is he actually? He is married. He's married. Oh, shit. He's he's played in the SEC. He's a game away from playing his way into the college football champion uh, playoff right now. Uh, he's a game away maybe from winning the Heisman as well. And uh, he's been very good. He's, he was he was decent at Auburn, and he's been really good at Oregon. And I can see him fitting in. He he's going to need a fit. You know, it's going to be similar to Justin Herbert. You're going to need to get him some guys to throw to some athletic guys. If it's the Vikings and you're throwing at Jordan Addison and Just, Justin Jefferson and T.J. Hawkinson, that's a pretty good get for you. Yeah. And and you give him a year to sit behind Kirk Cousins. Hell yeah, I like the sound of that. He is married. To He's a married. former Auburn cheerleader named Izzy Smoke. And I think, if I remember correctly, Izzy is a smoke. She made an appearance as recently as this weekend on the television set. Did she? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, yeah, he's only 23, though. But I guess that is old to still be in college. Yeah. yeah. Shit. He's been in college for six years. <laughs> Oh, I don't know how those guys pull that shit off. But God 18, God. 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. Holy shit. Uh, should we talk about championship weekend? Yeah. All right. This is the best 
it's it's fitting this is the last four team playoff because this is arguably it's I don't even think it's arguably I think it's the best college football championship weekend ever. So I'm pretty sure we can skip over the New Mexico State and Liberty game. Yeah. Okay. Uh, moving on to the Pac-12 championship. Friday Oregon. night, last one ever. Friday, 8 p.m. Oregon is heading to Washington. Oregon's number five in the country, 11 and one. Washington, number three in the country, and 12 and zero. Is that game on campus or is it in Las Vegas? It's one of the two. It's either in Seattle or it's or it's in it's in I think Legion it's in Vegas. Stadium. Okay, so it's in Vegas. They played together. It was one of the best games this year. It came down to the Oregon miss kick to tie it and go to overtime. Um, Michael Penix delivered in that game. Bo Nix was pretty good, but Michael Penix was better. Since then, their trajectories have completely changed. Michael Penix has gone down, and Bo Nix has shot up. And it was on campus before. It was in Seattle with the home field advantage. So I would love to see this. is If there's one rematch you can ask for this year, well, it's probably Michigan-Ohio State would be the one rematch. But this is a hell of a rematch in college football. And you have a one-loss team versus a no-loss team. So this is a really exciting one to to take in and I'm looking for I mean that's my Friday night I'm looking forward to that one Oregon a nine and a half point favorite going up against a team that's ranked two spots higher than them so the debate on this game is a lot of people think Oregon played a weak schedule and I disagree I think this was arguably the best year ever for the Pac-12 and any Pac-12 team that came away with one loss or better which is these two teams that's a hell of a year and I actually think that Oregon should be in if they win this game. There's going to be some debate about that. But I think the consensus right now is the winner of this game does end up getting in. It's just a matter of where they're seated. Well, I feel like if Washington wins and gets in, they should be the three seed. Right? If Washington wins, they should stay the three seed. If Oregon beats Washington, Oregon's got to jump to four, right? That's got a question. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, if you had to pick, if you had to pick a winner in that game, who would it be? I'm going to take Oregon. They're the hotter hand right now. You are, and it was a close game, not on a neutral site before. This is a neutral site, a little bit closer for uh, a little bit closer. Oh no, yeah, it's closer for Oregon, and it's Vegas. Who doesn't want to go to Vegas on a Friday night in December? So, I'm I'm going to pick Oregon on this one. And I do think Oregon ultimately ends up getting in as well. <laughs> um, just say. I think Oregon gets in. And how would you feel? Okay, hypothetically. Let's do a hypothetical here. Michigan stays two. Oregon jumps up to three. How would you feel about a Michigan-Oregon matchup? There's a level of nostalgia because, again, this is the last year ever for the Pac-12. And one of the things that goes with, with that is the tradition and the history of the Rose Bowl. And just in general, the Rose Bowl's taken a hit because of the way the college football playoff is shaken out. Because the Big Ten has always put a team, well, you'd have to fact check me on that, but the Big Ten has almost always put a team in the college football playoff. And I think for that reason, it's devalued the Rose Bowl. Well, guess what? If Michigan wins this weekend, which they, there's a good chance they do, it goes without saying, they're 23 and a half point favorites. If Michigan wins, they're probably the two, unless Georgia loses. And Michigan, hypothetically, if Michigan wins or if they end up with the one seed, okay, you get to choose if you're the one seed where you want to play between the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans or the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. I think regardless, 
If Michigan's the one seed, they would pick Pasadena. And if they're not, obviously they're going to Pasadena no matter what. And the concept of having one last Rose Bowl between the Pac-12 champion and the Big Ten champion, one last Rose Bowl, and it means something. It would mean more than almost any other Rose Bowl unless the national championship would be at stake. I mean, that's a hell of a that's a hell of a prospect for the last year of the Pac-12. And that's exciting to think about. That's enticing. So you wouldn't mind an Oregon-Michigan matchup. No. And honestly, gun to my head, the way Michigan sucks at bull prep and all that, I think Michigan would struggle and maybe even lose to Oregon. But if it's the Michigan team that should have beat TCU, and if it's the Michigan team that unlocks J.J. McCarthy and gets in a dogfight, and if their defense is, it, it would be the best defense that Oregon has faced all year, then Michigan on paper would beat both Washington or Oregon if their defense holds their end of the bargain up. But, I mean, Oregon's playing hella good right now. Um, Miami of Ohio versus Toledo. We're gonna skip that. That's hold on, hold on. That's in Detroit. That's in that's Detroit. a MAC championship. It's the MAC that's championship. Action. There's a there's a corner from Toledo. I can't remember his first name. That's gonna be a first round pick. And Toledo's run a good program. So good for Toledo. I think they're ranked right now. I think they're a top twenty five team. They are. Good for I'm Toledo. To see where they are at. But yeah, they're eleven and one. Yeah, one would think Toledo pulls that one off. I think that's noon on Saturday. I'm of Ohio's ten and two. Shocker. Yeah. Never thought I'd see that. Uh, also, in regards to the college football playoff in a Big Ten teams, they missed it in 17-18 and 18-19. Okay. 17-18 uh, was Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, Alabama. And 18-19 was Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Oklahoma. Yeah. So only twice has there not been a Big Ten team in. Um, but we have the Big 12 championship, which I think – this there's been an argument today that what happens if Alabama wins the SEC and Texas wins this game in some dramatic fashion? Could a 12 and one Big 12 champion Texas make it into the final four? So the argument stems from the fact that w the games wouldn't matter at that point. You played the game, you played the game, you played Alabama at Texas in Tuscaloosa, and Texas won. You played that game. So if Alabama wins and Texas wins and Alabama were to sneak into the playoff and Texas wouldn't, the argument is why, why does the game matter? The counter argument is that the committee is in place. The committee exists to pick the best teams right now. And this is what the problem Florida State's going to suffer from. The committee's job is to put the four best teams in today. So I personally think, even though they've eked out some games in the last couple of weeks, I think the answer would be Alabama because Texas eked out their games in a much lighter schedule. Alabama, to get there, would have had to, beat, had to beat Auburn on the road. They would have had to beat Tennessee, which they did. They would have had to beat LSU, which they did. And to end it, it's Georgia in Atlanta. And that's, that's a signature win. If you beat the number one team in the country, the two-time defending national champion in Atlanta, I think that win should devalue, not devalue, but it should trump the fact Out, that Texas. Texas won on campus. Just because Texas went and choked. It was a big game against a good team and their rival on a neutral site in Oklahoma, but Texas lost that game. And Alabama's what have you done for me lately? They have a Heisman candidate quarterback in Jalen Milrow, and they're there. If you beat Georgia, if you somehow beat Georgia in Atlanta, Alabama should totally be in that conversation. And I'm shocked. I think the committee put them at seven or eight. Eight. I'm shocked they did that. 
Yeah, it's so, still Alabama at the end of the day, and they still play teams close. They still put in good games, and they're still talented. Yeah, so no, right now as it stands, um, it's Georgia 1, Michigan 2, uh, and then number 3 at the moment Washington is Washington. 4 is Florida four State. 4 is Florida State. 5 is Oregon. 6 is Ohio State. Dude. Seven is Texas, eight is Alabama. There's there's no world where you could convince me that Ohio State, I guess their loss is probably the best loss in the country. I don't think Ohio State should be in over Alabama or should be ranked above Alabama. I don't. It, if we're if we're factoring in the win against Georgia, if we're factoring in right. a ghost win against Georgia that hasn't happened, there's no at a minimum I'm I'm taking Ohio or Alabama to jump Ohio State when Ohio State's sitting at home over the weekend and Alabama's getting the best win in the country over the weekend at a minimum I'm factoring that in it's just a matter of where two through five shakes out from there or two through six shakes out with there with Florida State what happens with Oregon and Washington you know what I'm saying well so Florida State plays Louisville for the ACC championship on Sunday. Uh, I skipped over Boise State and UNLV. If that's that's, okay. that's fine. Um, Louisville versus Florida State for the ACC championship. Florida State uh, twelve and zero and fourth in the country. This I guess is the big one because Florida State really doesn't have that that the pedigree coming out of the ACC. They don't have mm-hmm. those big wins like Alabama at eleven and one beating Georgia. Still a better season than what Florida State has put forth. Yeah, so so here's the problem with Florida State is they lost their quarterback. They lost their quarterback, and he was also a Heisman candidate. And when you lose your quarterback, that has to be factored in. Now, the counter to that is even though Ohio State lost their quarterback in the first year of the playoff, um, they went on to win a national championship. But the difference is Cardale Jones— looked really good in his first action, whereas I don't even know who their quarterback is, Tate Tate Rotomaker or something like that. And (laughs) JT Daniels made Florida State tick. Florida State's got some good wins. They beat Miami. I think they beat Clemson, if I remember correctly. They beat Duke. They beat Clemson at Clemson. And then Florida State beat LSU. They beat some good teams. They don't have that crazy signature win. Beating Louisville would have been big for them, but Louisville lost last week. What's Louisville's ranking? 10 and 2. 14. 14. I mean, it's a good win, and, th- and that's that's a pretty good resume. But, again, it's what have you done for me lately? And if they win and look bad like they did last week, they look bad against Florida last week, Florida State. Well, yeah, and, I mean, here's the thing. Even if Florida State wins, does anybody really want to see them go in and get ass-hammered by Georgia? Week no, one? no. Uh, R- Rotomaker has to look good. That's, really good. That's that's what it comes down to. They need to win. They need to win somewhat convincingly, and he needs to look good. Hopefully, Louisville wins this game and just ends it. Yeah. Well, the, and again, there's a precedent. If you're an undefeated conference champion, you've never in the Power Five, you've never missed the playoff. So there's a precedent here. They get in. I have a hard time, especially because the committee put them at four last night. I have a hard time seeing them get kicked out unless there's some crazy added weight to Alabama beating Georgia and the committee decides, well, we can't skip Georgia in the playoff. That's the only way I see Florida State getting knocked out undefeated is if Alabama beats Georgia and causes mass chaos. Well, let's talk about that game then. 4 p.m. on Saturday, Alabama-Georgia, 1 versus 8, 12-0 versus 11-1. 
um, the biggest game of the weekend. Yeah. Game day is there. I think that this is the biggest game of the weekend as well. And on top of that, you'll get to see how is Georgia actually good. Because this has instantly become the best game on their schedule. Their schedule turned out to be almost Big Ten week. At least Michigan, the, the comparison between Michigan and Georgia, I think Georgia's better. I think Georgia may be slightly more talented, even though a lot of it's underclassmen. And they've had a lot of attrition over the last two years. But Michigan has that signature win. Georgia does not. I don't think Tennessee or Kentucky are signature wins for Georgia. No. Or Florida, for that matter. If you beat Alabama, like, this is a whole different atmosphere, a whole different environment. It's chaos. It's technically a home game for Georgia, but Alabama always shows out for that game in Atlanta. They take it seriously. Tuscaloosa isn't far from Atlanta. If you beat Alabama, that's a good signature win, and that's a sign that you are on the same trajectory and the same path that you have been on over the last 10 years. So I'm I'm looking to see what Georgia does. If they get pushed against one of the more down Alabama teams over the last decade and a half, if they get pushed, that's tricky for Georgia. That's tricky. Maybe maybe there's a little bit of a chink in the armor. I don't know what Georgia is yet. I'm looking forward to seeing what Georgia is. That game is one that I am actually really excited to watch. Yeah. 100%. And finally, 8 p.m. Saturday night, your Michigan Wolverines are going to Indianapolis to play Iowa. Um, Respect for Iowa. A lot of respect for Iowa. It can't be denied what Kirk Ferentz has cranked out into the pros. 10 and 2. Um, Michi- two Michigan players transferred there. Eric All at tight end, who was a big, impactful player when they played Oregon, or maybe last year, Eric All had a big game. Oh, no, two years ago when they played Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. And then, obviously, Cade McNamara, who won Michigan their first ever Big Ten championship game two years ago. They're both dead. They both died. Uh, Cade McNamara has talked some shit this week, whereas J.J. McCarthy has not. I feel bad for Iowa because I would love to see what they are with a serviceable offense. I still don't think they would beat Michigan. Um, But right now they can't complete a forward pass. They could barely do it. Their under has hit in every single game this year. I mean, there's a chance they get shut out. There's a legitimate chance that unless Michigan has some crazy untimely turnovers in their own zone, that Iowa gets shut out. I think Iowa is the worst team Michigan has played since Michigan State uh, over a month ago, and I just don't see an area. I honestly don't see a scenario where they score points. Well, right now Michigan's a 22-and-a-half-point favorite, and the over-under is 35. So I see a scenario where Michigan hits that 35 on their own. Implied final score right now is 29-to-six-and-a-half. Yeah. And the, the six and a half is two field goals. It's not. It's not Iowa getting into the touchdown. They're getting <laughs> in, getting into the end zone. So I'm looking for Michigan to open up the playbook a little more here. This is a really good defense, one of the better ones they'll face this year, and a really good test. The counter last year is they had a good offense in Purdue going into the TCU game. And Michigan made some nice second-half adjustments and came out and won. This time, the counter is you're getting a good defense. So I I would like to see J.J. McCarthy kind of shredded up against a good defense. I want to see the passing game open up. I want to see a lot of Samaj Morgan, a lot of Roman Wilson, a lot of Barner, and a lot of of Colston Loveland. And I'd like to see the running game get going finally. It hasn't done that. They haven't had the, the explosive run game. Albeit their offensive line's taken a bit of a hit. Zach Zinter's obviously done for the year. But they made some changes last week. They moved Carson Barnhart to the inside. 
and uh, Trente Jones played at tackle, and I would like to see this revamped offensive line. They're still all pros. I'd like to see them run the ball effectively going into whoever they play on January 1st. I can't wait. This is like the first weekend all year that I've been excited for college football, obviously outside of watching. The Michigan-Ohio State game was the first college football game in a minute that I've actually sat down and watched from beginning to end. So I'm excited for this weekend. Bring College football gets you excited when you have these kind of games mm-hmm. because there's a lot of marbles riding on every single one. And again, it's the end. I said it a week ago. It's the end of college football as we know it. You're getting a 12-team playoff next year. It changes everything. It devalues regular season games. It devalues conference championship games. But you know what? Even those, those Even though those games are devalued, you're getting way better games in December and January now because of it. And some really fun shit's going to happen next year. So it's the end of college football as we know it, so appreciate the next month because it gets a little bit more chaotic going forward, but fun. You know, the Michigan game was it was good, but did you watch the Iowa State game and that monsoon? The snow? That was the snow that game. was a great game. Yeah. Um, should, I we need to college football, so I just want to put that out there. Good, Bruce. I'm Weren't glad. you at the Michigan game, Saturday? Yeah, he was fucking was there. Like, well, I'm a Michigan oh. fan. I like watching no, Michigan. No, he didn't. But the, the rest of college football could really just go away, and I wouldn't care. Oh, man. Those are children, though, making plays. That's why I love it. They're yeah. 18 years old. Some of them don't even know how to shave, and they got to go out there and perform in front of millions of people. Yeah. What the fuck, Bruce? What the fuck? It just It don't make no sense. The whole playoff bullshit it don't make no sense. I think it makes perfect sense to me, especially now that they're actually doing it right. And taking care of business and doing the 12-team playoff next year. Can't wait for that. We need to change it up real quick, though. We need to get back to NFL talk. Uh, there's a couple things we missed from today. Um, Enkeel Harry got cut. I missed that one. And uh, Jason Pierre-Paul signed with the Dolphins. Those two pieces of news that I forgot earlier. Now, we need to do have a little discussion here, though, because... We've enjoyed this joke so far that has been Danny DeVito, right? The the hand-wagging, gabagool-eating, soprano-loving, <laughs> cutlet-jerking, mother's basement-living, baked-ziti-mowing baked <laughs> human being that has, that is Danny DeVito quarterback for the New York Giants right now. Is there any sort of world where this guy is semi-legitimate? We'll find out. I think he's just a service. We'll find out. Because he is taking the world by storm right now. So his teammates love him. Love him. His teammates love him, which which is a start. Because you've seen his counter last week is Mac Jones, whose teammates can't stand him. So his teammates love him, number one. Number two... You got eight touchdowns over the last three weeks, I'm fairly certain. Yeah, he has more touchdowns than Zach Wilson and Daniel Jones. See, you still can't put that on Zach Wilson because that— Shut the fuck up. I am so sick and tired of you with this fucking hard-on for Zach Wilson every week. have a worse offensive line. He's dog shit. The Giants' offensive line has been worse and been more injured. They signed Justin Pugh off the street. Maybe they just don't like Daniel Jones. Well, that might be part of it for sure. Why? Why? Why are— why are you such a proponent defender of Zach Wilson? I don't know. I think the guy is a 
He's a good quarterback, you know? He's not, though. He's not. He could be the greatest fucking guy on earth, but he's not a good quarterback. So we're done with we're done. He's no longer a starter. Hard out we don't have to see. He doesn't put his heart anywhere. He puts his heart into his friends' moms. That's the only thing he puts his fucking heart That's into. True. He's a fucking bum. He puts his right? hearts in his friends' Guess moms. What? When you cunts. when you get replaced by Tim Boyle, you're done. Danny DeVito. So <laughs> I, I'm listen. What I need to see from him is was last week just really was it similar to his initial start two weeks ago? Or was it just, well, the Patriots game plan for you and the weather is poor and you got Belichick, but you still came out and won and you should be happy about that. If he True. comes out and he does like another two TD, one int or three TD, one int or three TD, no int and, and 250 to 300 yards and he's getting the ball around to Jalen Hyatt and he's getting the ball around to Darius Slayton and and Saquon's catching passes and they're winning games, you have my full attention. Correct. We're talking about a Paisan from Jersey that's quarterbacking the team from Jersey and going like this every time he scores. And he sounds like he's from Jersey. He sounds like he's from a cast member of Sopranos. He sounds a little bit like this. And you know, I don't know. It just means this. I don't know what to tell you. It means you're sm Listen, I'm excited to see it. I don't think it's going to last. I think I it's similar either. to every craze this year. Josh Dobbs is a great example um, Correct. Josh Dobbs is a perfect example. I, I I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm excited to see it. And and we have to legitimize it at some point if he starts winning games effectively. If he starts getting those two TD, 250-yard performances, we have to pay attention to that. So we're almost in on on Danny DeVito. We're in on the, the, the man, the myth, the legend, Tommy DeVito. I don't know if we're in on the quarterback, quarterback Tommy DeVito yet. Yeah. I agree uh, with but we're that, close. We're close. We're right there. Right there. If you right now had to pick Zach Wilson or Tommy DeVito, who are you taking? Tommy DeVito's winning games. Tommy DeVito beat the Patriots. Dark Lumen needs to tell us who he is. Otherwise, he should probably shut the hell up. Uh, also, Leon came in the chat and said that he would take Tim Tebow before Zach Wilson. And I would agree with that. Oh, yeah, I know you're a big you're a big. I'm not Tebow. really big in these men of you're God You're a huge Tebow guy, so don't even... I was the start. biggest Tebow. You were, exactly. you, were Flor was, you were Florida 0607 guy. I was a Florida guy. Gator fucking diehard. <laughs> Die hard. Um, okay. Outside of Tommy DeVito, uh, we I think we need to do some Lions talk today because um, a few things have happened. Uh, you, was there some news about Bruce Irvin? Yeah, they don't know if he's going to be ready this week, but he might be. Shout out to Tank. She's oh, live from Tank's the Burger Bar in, eh? in Marlboro, Mass. Tank's reporting. Tank, one day I'd like to hear your best Mass Hole accent. I can't really do one of those, but I'd like to hear it. It sounds like Bruce Irvin is not going to be ready for Sunday, and it makes sense. I was never really big on that signing anyways. I don't think it's going to fix much. Where the fuck is he? He's not on the injury report, so I don't know what the hell is going on with Bugs. The big news for Sunday, there's two, there's two big bits of injury news for Sunday. Number one, Jonah Jackson had a practice today. It was a limited practice, but he, they had their first practice post-Thanksgiving today, and he practiced so you can get Jonah Jackson back, in which case you're going to have your full offensive line, which is huge for them. Personally, I don't think they're going to struggle that bad on Sunday, so I would hold Jonah Jackson out if you can. The really big news is Alex Anzalone. 100%. Alex Anzalone, who's arguably been their defensive player of the year, um, and who's it's a homecoming in New Orleans. It's the team that drafted him. Indeed. Uh, it's a major, it's a homecoming for a few guys. Aaron Glenn, Dan Campbell, that's where they all came from. That being said, Anzalone has a hand or wrist injury, 
and he didn't practice at all today. That uh, Dan Campbell yesterday in his press conference made it sound like there's going to be some time on Anzalone. The good news is, the good news is on Anzalone is that's a position that they're very deep at. They drafted a first rounder that could take Anzalone's off ball linebacker spot in Jack Campbell. Derek Barnes has had a quiet good year, and you still got Malcolm Rodriguez. 100%. Who, from what it sounds like, according to Dan Campbell today, Rodriguez has been getting snaps at fullback and tight end. He caught a pass last week. It sounds like you're going to see Malcolm Ooh. Rodriguez on both sides of the ball Ooh. on Sunday, which I fucking love. Wait, I love the sound of that. Ooh. J.J. Watt, baby. Malcolm Rodriguez running the ball, hitting people, catching the ball all over the field. Can't wait to see it. Tank, is that a Haba? Boston Haba? Is that what you're trying to say? Is that the only Haba. Chowda. Haba. Boston. Bagel. Bagel. Down in South. Bigger. Salty. Chicken bigger. Do you want to be a cop or do you want to appear to be a cop? You know what movie that's from? Anyone? I don't. No, it's my favorite movie ever. What movie? It's The Departed. I haven't seen that in That's ages, That's my man. favorite movie of all time. We're live from the Just Burger Bar in Marlboro, Massachusetts. Shout out to the Burger Bar in Marlboro, Massachusetts, whatever the fuck that is. Shout out to the Burger Bar, but fuck all of Boston, except for fuck Tank. Fuck Mac Jones. Fuck Mac Jones. Fuck the Patriots. Fuck the Red Sox. <laughs> fuck the bitch-ass Celtics fans. And fuck the annoying-ass Bruins fans. Oh. You all suck if you can hear me in the Burger Bar. But I love you, Tank. We're gonna get tanked, fucking beaten. Fan for a long time. Not at all. She's here. tougher than all those what? motherfuckers. What did you just say? I've been a Bruins fan for quite a few years now. Cool. Get the cool. fuck out. Get the fuck out. Just get the fuck out. <laughs> any, actually, any original six team besides the fucking Hawks. You're just a dick. Nothing but a dick. Fuck all Boston and Chicago sports. They're not. They're not welcome. They're not welcome in the chat. Chicago, it's not straight if they roll. We don't fuck. We don't fuck with them. Me and my homies. We don't fuck with Doja Cat. We don't fuck with all Chicago sports. Wait, why don't, don't you fuck, fuck with, with Doja? Cat? I fuck with her now. I fuck with Doja Cat. Now. Why didn't you fuck with Doja? Because Cat? Because she said that she was going to post a nude if she got so many likes or something like that, and she didn't do it. And then all my foot, my homies weren't fucking with Doja Cat. Brock but I, her music's too good not to fuck with her. <laughs> You don't know what a good quarterback looks like, Doug Lumen. Anyways. Um, outside of that, any other news with the Lions? I know that they re-signed uh, standout wide receiver Tom Kennedy. TK's back. TK, big TK's back. I think the big back. news for Sunday is that their opponent's pretty banged up. Chris Olave came back to practice today, but Ugh. they're still – I mean, Lattimore, Dunn. Uh, Mike, Michael Thomas is done. Everyone's banged up. Derek Carr's not playing well. They have no excuses on Sunday. No. And I'm and I'm looking. Listen, they followed up. From what I understand, they followed up every loss since 2022 with the three game wins. Or I'm sorry, since the back half of last year, they've all been followed up with a three game win streak, including every win, every loss this year. Both of their losses this year were followed up with three game win streaks. And I'm expecting that. I'm expecting them to win this weekend. I'm expecting them to beat Chicago, and then. Cross your fucking fingers after that. I'm expecting them to beat this, the, the – I'm actually not expecting them to beat the Broncos. The Broncos are going to be tough. I have to see more from the Lions if you want me to say they're going to beat the Broncos. Ooh. I'll feel really good if they win this weekend and if they beat a resurgent, tough Chicago team next weekend. I would feel really good about that. Now, the one thing that I think we do have a plus over in Boston sports right now is the Lions because – the only way that the other Detroit sports teams are making news right now is by signing some washed-up veteran guys. 
is Patrick Kane, the new Detroit Red Wings superstar. I don't know about that, but let me tell you why it's still good and why it's still important. So, hypothetically, if he puts up half of the numbers that he put up before his hip injury, and for those that don't know, he had a hip resurfacing injury or a hip resurfacing surgery. It's a six-month surgery. It knocks a lot of people out of their careers because he had, like, bone on bone with his hips. So they have to go in and take some things out, shave some things. Long story short, he's been skating for two months. He looks great. He built the muscle back up. He's, he's, he's looking good. The practice video they posted today at Madison Square Garden looked outstanding. And this is why Patrick Kane makes a difference. There's two reasons. Number one is the obvious. It shows that even though he's an aging veteran, you could still be effective in the league. At He's 35. There's guys that are 36, 37, 38, 39. And, and Joe Pavelski, um, Joe Thornton a couple years ago, uh, Ovechkin, Crosby, um, there's a, there's a whole slew of guys. Anze Kopitar in LA. You can be at that age and be effective in the NHL. Nick Lidstrom was effective until he was 40. I think he won a Norris Trophy in his in his late 30s, if not at 40. So Patrick King can still be effective. Number one, and it shows that Steve Eiserman can go out and and he's ready to make the moves for the guys that push him over. You got Patrick Kane on a bargain for the rest of the year. He can get anybody he wants. He, no, he can't because he's failed in free agency for five years to get people, good guys to come here. So, no, he cannot. But it shows where Patrick Kane values the organization right now. Supposedly he loved Derek Lalonde. And on top of that, he played here as a 14-year-old. He played for the Honey Baked 88s. Shout out to the Honey Baked 88s. He played here for the national team in Ann Arbor for two years. Like, he grew up as a hockey player here before he, got, he played for the London Knights and before he got drafted to the Blackhawks. But the main reason why Patrick Kane matters here Look no further than Alexander Dabrinkit, who's been one of the best wings in a long time and has a shot at putting up 40 goals this year, which we haven't seen in a long time in this town. I think it was Marion Hossa in 2009 was the last time we had a 40-goal score. Patrick Kane's favorite line mate out of all the people he played with in Chicago, which is Hossa, um, Jonathan Taves, Artemi Panarin. There's a whole long list of motherfuckers. His favorite line mate ever is Alex Dabrinkit. And he also put up his best numbers ever with Alex Dabrinkit, including being a Hart Trophy candidate. So Kane's second season with Dabrinkit, which was 18-19, so Dabrinkit's second year, Patrick Kane had 44 goals, which was a career high, and 110 points, which is a career high. He came close in 2022. He, was, he had 92 points in 2022, which is just two years ago, playing with Dabrinkit. And... He had his two best years as from assist standpoint playing with Dabrinkit in 19 and 2022. He had 66 assists in both those years. And conversely, Dabrinkit's number in that 19 season, he had 76 points. He had 41 goals playing with Kane. Okay, He had 41 goals in that 22 season playing with Kane and 78 points. So all of their career highs, and Patrick Kane's arguably the best American player to ever play the game of hockey, all of their career highs came playing together. So what this does is you can now separate Dylan Larkin. Like, it'd be perfect. It'd be so cool to see Larkin playing, Larkin centering Kane and and Dabrinkit. But you could separate them now. You have crazy depth in your top six to where you can get scoring. Lucas Raymond has been, the Wings are on a three-game win streak, and Lucas Raymond is one of the reasons why. And it goes back to their games in Sweden two weeks ago. He was great in Sweden. 
You could put Larkin and, and Raymond back together and throw whoever you want with them. It could be Perron. It could be Robbie Fabry. It could be Rasmussen. You could put a number of guys, and you have good scoring depth on that line. And then you could put whoever you want with Debrinket and Kane. It doesn't matter who plays with them. It could be JT Comfer. It could be Cop. Uh, it could be Joe Valeno. You, you could put whoever you want centering those two guys, and they're going to thrive. So now all of a sudden they have crazy depth that they hadn't had before, and they could score some goals because of it. So I do invest in the Kane signing. I think if you somehow manage 20 goals and we'll call it 40 assists out of him, this is really good, and this could be the fringe. The Wings have outkicked their coverage the first two months of the year. There's a chance that they could actually be a wild card team all of a sudden. A lot needs to happen. They need to hope that there's a drop-off with Toronto and Florida and the Lightning and the Panthers. Those are four teams that are—I mean, the Wings are in front of two of them right now. They're at third in the, conf- or in the division. But you need to hope that you keep pace with those teams, and they could legitimately have a shot— at the wild card if the Kane signing goes well and there's no major injury. But it does move the needle for me. I'm excited to see it. He's one of my favorite players ever. And he chose here. Like, you got picked by a free agent that was deciding between Toronto, Boston, Tampa, Colorado. Like, every major team was in on Patrick Kane, and he picked here, and that's awesome. That hasn't happened in this town in a long time, even if he's 35 years old. It remains to be seen how effective he could be, how healthy he is, but he's playing with Debrinket, and they got a lot going for him because of that. Wow, hundred uh, percent. So you're right now. You're saying that the Wings look like they could be back in the playoffs. They're going to have a shot at it. I, I've gotten Ooh. in my head. It's going to be tough right now because their division is the best division in hockey, top to bottom. But they're in the playoffs right now, and there's a, there's a, a actual thing that on December 1st, if you're in the playoff picture, there's not much change in the hockey season from there. You have a good idea. So they're in it. January 1st, if you're still in the playoff picture, now we're talking because they have $10 million in cap space, and they can try to add someone else from there. They could try and make it work from there. And that means good things happen in, De- in December with Kane if you're still in it January 1st. So look forward to that. Look, we'll we'll talk at the beginning of the year about how good the Wings are. Uh, in some other Detroit sports news, do you think that the Pistons are going to be a playoff team this year? I don't. <laughs> I don't. Uh, it's that bad. In it's case anybody bad. was wondering, it's that bad. They're on pace to put together the worst season in the history of the NBA. And last year they were already bad. I think, if anything, it just shows that the NBA and the NHL system of a draft lottery doesn't work because the Pistons needed all the help they can get, and they haven't gotten it other than Cade Cunningham over the last couple of years. They're 2-15. and 2-15. 2-15. Two and 15. If you don't win, I mean, they, they, were, they had their best shot at a win the other night against the Wizards, and they, they didn't win. I still think there's a lot of injury issues with the Pistons, and I think they have a lot of talent development issues, but they're they're bad. They're legitimately bad. And talk about January 1st. If they don't win a game in the month of December or if they're still looking this bad in the month of December, um, you got to fire Troy Weaver. I don't, I don't know why— I don't know why he'd be allowed to keep his job going forward. Some, some head has to roll. I don't know what it helps, but it's bad. Bad. Really fucking bad. Yeah, Dark Loom and the rookie is good. Uh, Osar Thompson, he's actually been very good. He's been one of the best rookies this year. He's been a surprise. He stuffs the stat sheet, but the Pistons need dy- dynamic scoring 
to pair with Cade, with Cade Cunningham to open up Cade Cunningham because all you have to do if you're the opposing team is you just find a way to defend Cade Cunningham every night, and that's it. Do you know how cool Bruce is because he's sitting there pretending that he's asleep because we decided to talk about the Pistons? You're so cool, dude. The NBA fucking sucks. Anyways, if you guys wanted to hear more about hockey and or basketball from me, well, you don't want to hear it from me, but Zolo and a couple other future co-hosts, let us know that you're interested in the possibility of tipped in or tipped pucks. Let us know. And you know where to find us on our socials. Um, tipped in. Other than that, <laughs> tipped in. <laughs> tipped in. It got tipped in. And honestly, it's, bas- it's a basketball. You want to know what's fucked up? You could do tipped in for either of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tipped in. Yeah. Or tip in. Tipping. Uncle Uncle Sam might want to, you know, bring tip, tip in. Just tip <laughs> in. Um. We have a Thursday night matchup to talk about before we end today's show. So let's do that real quick, and then we will conclude today. But tomorrow night at 8.15 p.m., the Seattle Seahawks are heading down to Jerry World and talk Wow! and play the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Dallas a nine-point favorite. The over-under is 47.5. Um, big game for Seattle. They're 6-5. and five. Uh, it's well documented through the last couple of episodes how low I am on Seattle going forward. Obviously, at Dallas, at Frisco, at home against Philly, at Tennessee, and at home against Pittsburgh going forward. And I think they could lose all of those games, but maybe that Tennessee one, this one is huge for them. If they win. Why did you delete Dark Lumen's comments? I didn't. I put them in a five-minute timeout. <laughs> Why? Dark Lumen's one of our best Dark fans. Lumen's our- and the more messages I see from Dark Lumen, the more I can try and decipher who the person is. Un- I need the evidence. Untime out him. You can't, you can't untime her. out him. Or her. or her. Or her. Untime out they. God damn it. Anyways. Anyways. Talking too much. The Seattle Seahawks, this game means everything to them. No Kenneth Walker going into this one. Uh, and in order for them to stay in this playoff spot, they've got to they've got to try and beat this Dallas team. Um, the problem is I don't think they're going to. I think Dallas is going to continue their hot streak here. I really do. The Cowboys are just a wagon right now. I don't. I don't think there's any better, more complete team in the league at the moment. Um, I'm not saying they're the best team in the league and that they're going to win the Super Bowl because a lot of it has come against inferior opponents. But this is one of the better teams Dallas is going to face. And on paper, I think Dallas is not going to struggle with Seattle. And they're not injured. Dallas is almost completely healthy across the board. Uh, You got Will Disley, Leonard Williams, both could miss tomorrow night. Kenneth Walker is probably going to miss tomorrow night. Like Seattle's a little banged up right now. Uh, The line in this one, Dallas, a nine-point favorite. And you know what? I'm going to take Dallas to win this game. I'm going to take Dallas to cover this game. And that over-under of 47.5, I'm going to go under in this. I I know both these teams – Massive ability to put up points in Dallas against shitty teams does like to hang 40. I don't think it's going to be that much of a track meet. I don't think it's going to be a Dallas Giants game, but I could see this being a 28-14 affair. So I'm looking for, and I mentioned it earlier in the show, is I'm, I'm looking for the the rushing usage from Seattle. I'm looking for Geno Smith to run the ball. 
because that could be a recipe to give the Dallas defense fits, and therefore they can move the little ball, the ball a little bit better. Um, I I like everything you said except for the over. I think the over actually is going to hit because I think Dallas is going to put up 25 to 35 points on their own. And I do think Seattle is going to be able to muster a little bit more than what Washington mustered, mainly because Seattle's passing attack is a little bit better. But I'm looking for Geno Smith on the ground. I think Pete Carroll has his teams prepped pretty well, and he, he'll game plan for this, especially on a short week. I like Pete Carroll on a short week. I just think Dallas is rolling right now. So give me Dallas, give me the over, and give me Dallas to cover as well. Dallas is hot as shit. Like, it wouldn't surprise me to see them put up put up 40. I, I You know what? Dallas right now, number one in points scored per game, averaging 32 points per game. Uh, the implied final on this one only has them at 28. Yeah. I, I would If I was ready to click on the, the, the app, I'd probably hit the over. I probably would. Bruce? Dallas. What's the under over? 47 and a half. Dallas is a nine-point favorite. The over under is 47 and a half. Go under. Dallas and under. Yep. Stupid. Big dumb He's animal. Trying to take out for Uncle Sam. Anyways. I like Dallas. I like Dallas. On the under. In this game. Um, do we have anything else we need to cover before we end today's show? Keeping it in an hour and a half today. I thought we we covered great ground. Personally. I thought we did too. I thought we just especially without the ray of sunshine here to keep us motivated, keep us in the mood. I thought it was a was a good one thought it was we talked dicks penises <laughs> we talked about penis we talked about basketball we talked about patrick kane we talked about bruce's receding hairline it was perfect nothing nah oh okay anyways i'll tell you anything to add Gillis. no i'm starving okay let's go eat I got chicken shack that just got dropped off of the door. So thank you so much for listening to another episode of Tip Balls Podcast. Make sure to follow our socials, Instagram and Twitter at Tip Balls, TikTok at Tip Balls Podcast. If you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Music, check us out on YouTube. Remember to subscribe and ring the bell so you get notified when we go live. And join us in the chat Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 4.30 to 5 o'clock till, you know, 6.30 to 7 o'clock, depending on the day. Anywhere between then, just free your schedule for about three hours. You'll hear from us then. If you want to hear about hockey and or basketball, drop us a line. Let us know. You know where to find us on the socials. Thank you so much for listening. You will hear from us on Friday. And Uncle Sam will be back, so that's great. 